Greetings, mortals, and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where each week we tell you about some strange things that happened in history. I'm your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hi. Hello. I just want to say that Barnaby didn't warn me he was going to do that voice. <laughs> I also did little hands with that. You did do little hands. <laughs> so the reason I did that voice is because this week we are delving into the occult. Ooh, okay. If I can be asked, I'll put in like a thumbnail or something. Oh, awesome. Yeah, because this week we're going to talk about magic and mystery and skullduggery. Skullduggery, eh? Yes, indeed we are. Like Skullduggery Pleasant, that series with, I think, like a skeleton that's a detective or something? Is that a real thing? Yes, it is. What? How have I not heard of this? I don't know. <laughs> that sounds like trash. It, it really is. It has bright orange page edging as well. Oh, wow. Or like, or like often like green. It looks a lot like, um, oh, Tic Tacs. Oh, okay. Wait, what? So this is a book, right? It's a book, yeah. Okay, okay. I thought it was a TV series because it sounds like some great trash TV. Yeah, it's a it's a book series. Mm. A lot of the kids like it. Oh, I see. It's one of your it's a young, young adult, adult novel. fiction. Yes. Yeah. yeah, which you read quite a lot of to uh, make recommendations to the kids, which is lovely. Of course, I do. Yeah. Also, because they're very easy to read. Well, perhaps this story is one that you can tell to your little children. Okay. So we'll start off with a household in say late 18th early 19th century okay it's a pretty well-to-do house uh it's got the parents a couple of children and a maid as well okay um doing well off not like fantastically but you know yeah it's it's a one maid household i mean (laughs) yes well one night when the weather is particularly bad outside and it's fantastic because as we're recording this it's just started to rain oh my god it really has (laughs) so as it starts to rain and maybe thunder rolls in Mm -hmm. um they have a knock at the door and outside is a bedraggled looking old beggar who says to them Please, kind masters, please let an old beggar stay inside. The rain is so dreadful on my limbs. So, of course, they do what any charitable person would do and say, Yes, of course, come in, old beggar man. Come okay. in and join us. Sit by the fire and dry off. I'm not sure I'd invite someone in if they had that voice. How dare you? I'm perfectly honourable and respectable. No, no. Sorry, you've been making us play a horror-themed D&D <laughs> section to our campaign, and that is the voice of the elf creature yes, that you've yeah, got in there. That is true, that is true. Anyway, so they let the old beggar stay, and the rain is so bad that they say, you know what, don't go back out into the rain, you can spend the night here and wait out the storm. Okay. And he's very grateful, they like, they make up a bed on the sofa, or the equivalent in the appropriate <laughs> era. The fainting couch. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the uh, household retires to bed. So in the dead of night, when everyone but the maid is asleep, the beggar reaches into his pack and pulls out a hand. Wait, like a real hand? A severed hand. Ew. And on each of the digits is a candle wick. Okay. And he starts lighting it as a candle, but he can't light one of the fingers. Now the maid, who is awake, 
hears moving about mm. coming from the other room. So she goes to investigate and she goes in and sees this hand, this candle on the table. And she sees the man looting the family house, oh taking all of their treasures and valuables and putting it into a sack. Well, I didn't see this coming. Yeah. So she rushes to try and wake up the household. There's a thief. There's a thief in the house. That beggar is a thief. That obvious thief. (laughs) But they won't wake up. No matter what she does, no one will wake up. Oh, my God. So she goes back and she realizes that that candle is an instrument of magic. (gasps) And it's what's keeping the household asleep. So she tries to blow out the candle but it doesn't do anything. Okay. She tries to throw a cup of water over it, and the candle flames barely flicker. In her desperation, she grabs a bowl of milk from the kitchen. (laughs) Right. And tosses it over the hand. Okay. And only then do the candle flames go out. The household wakes up, the thief is apprehended, and he is taken away next morning, probably to be hanged. Okay, that's a mad story. I'm not convinced that that's a true story you've just told me. Well, almost certainly not. But it is a kind of the pattern that a number of different stories had uh, in the 18th and 19th centuries regarding hands of glory. Oh, a hand of glory. Yes. I've heard about them from the Harry Potter series. Yes, I think they're very common in pop culture. Um, They appear in books, films, TV, video games... RPGs. Uh, it's referenced in Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. It's a oh, magic yeah. item in a version of Dungeons and Dragons, in the video game Darkest Dungeon, in the TV series Supernatural, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> and as you mentioned, Harry Potter, which is probably where I think a lot of people will have first heard of it from. Yeah. Because I think it's in like the second book or something it's mentioned. I can't remember which book it is, but it's the first time that Harry goes to Nocturne Alley and he goes into this creepy shop and finds the Hand of Glory and then also sees um, Draco Malfoy's dad, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that must be the second book. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Uh, I don't... I'm not hugely keen on Harry Potter, but I I get that, you know, this will probably be a lot of people's uh, introduction to the concept of the Hand of Glory. Oh, yeah. But it is something that is surprisingly common in history, at least from the 18th century onwards. Okay, so are you saying this was like a really common myth? Well, myth and there's some ideas as to it being actually something people did. Oh my god. I'm not going to say that, you know, it has magical effects. Yeah. But people definitely do seem to have tried to make them or claim to have made them. Or it might be a sort of like brother of my friend's friend has one or right. saw one or something like that. They were known to be a thing. Okay, great. And There is actually a real-world example of it. Yeah? There is a preserved Hand of Glory. But I'll tell you about that a little bit later. Okay. Oh, Um, you tease, you tease. Indeed. It also has been put forth as one of the possible theories as to the murder known as Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm. Really? Yes. Okay. So, for context for those who don't know the story of Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm, uh, it comes from the 1940s. uh, In 1944, when in uh, Hagley Wood in Worcestershire, a 
skeletal body was found up a tree mm. and it was missing a few pieces including a hand and there was like there's been a lot of speculation as to exactly who this person was why they're up in a tree yeah and why they hadn't been found because they were i think it was like a couple of hundred years old or something right yeah so which would put it at right square in hand of glory time yeah and in 1945 uh, anthropologist and archaeologist margaret murray proposed that the murder of this person was to do with witchcraft Right. Hold on a sec, though. I've heard of Margaret Murray. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to look her up to check that she's the person I've thought of. Yes, I have heard of Margaret Murray. She was the one who believed that there had been secretly witches using following the old pagan religion all the way through the Middle Ages. Right. And that William Rufus was a leader of this witchcraft <laughs> and that he was a dwarf. Well, okay, so I'm imagining you're not convinced by her argument that who put Bella in the witch helm was about a hand of glory or witchcraft in well, general. Well, I'd need to hear more than that she was missing a hand because yeah. there could be all kinds of reasons to miss a hand, yeah, really. Yeah, that's true. Especially yeah. if Bella is missing, you know, other bits as well. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I okay. can't imagine someone going, let's murder this person so we can steal their hand. Oh, but that toe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, toes actually do figure into mythology about hands of glory as well. What? Yeah, I'll go into that a little bit later. Okay. So let me just describe a hand of glory because there are a couple of iterations of it. Mm -hmm. And neither of them seems to be like the true one or like the dominant one. Mm -hmm. uh, either a hand of glory is a severed hand which is basically uh, employed in a magic ritual and then it holds a candle. Generally, if you hold up your hand like a fist, mm -hmm. it's held between your middle and ring finger and a candle is sort of held there. Oh, how rude. <laughs> yes, it is actually. I was talking <laughs> that. Or else, uh, in other versions, the hand is open and each finger acts as a candle. Right. And a wick is sort of embedded into the finger so that you have basically five candle lights on the hand. Okay, first up, that second method seems really gross. Oh, yeah. And also, I'm not sure that would work. Like, humans are not tallow, you know? No, but human fat does burn. And one of the... Uh, methods of creating a hand of glory involves using human fat to make these candles around the fingers okay yeah. okay so you're not just like you'd you'd add more yeah in images it's generally just like a hand with a happily burning candle flame on the end of the finger yeah but in the actual methodology there's more to it than that and it's we'll, grosser it is grosser yes good, and good. we'll get to it later okay but first let's talk about the powers of a hand of glory <laughs> okay so from what you could tell from the story i told originally one of its main abilities was to put people to sleep mm. and they could not be woken while the candle still lit right it also, from the story, you can tell that the candle could not be put out except by a bowl of milk. Is there any reason for that? There is, um, and I will get to it later on. Okay. Um, but also, I mentioned that the uh, beggar in the story struggled to light one of the fingers. Yeah. And this is because another power of the Hand of Glory was that if you lit it outside a house, you could tell if the people inside were asleep. 
Okay. So because the maid wasn't asleep, the finger wouldn't light. Right. So if you don't want to get robbed by hands of glory, you've got to make sure that people, at least one person in your household, stays awake. Exactly. Right. The other powers, uh, there's some suggestion, quite a basic one, that it's just a sort of catalyst for black magic, a bit like a sort of magic wand or like your cauldron or something like that. Okay. Um, but other specific powers include it has the ability to unlock any door. Okay. So while you have a hand of glory lit, any locked doors will just open for you. Uh, that it can provide light only for the holder. Mm-hmm. Or in other versions, just make the holder invisible. Well, okay. <laughs> yep. It can render your enemies motionless or turn their weapons useless when they try to attack you when you're holding a lit hand of glory. Right. It can also reveal where treasure is hidden. Okay, so this is the house robber's, like, magic tool, Absolutely. It is almost entirely based around thievery. And that's why these stories about the Hand of Glory generally has the same sort of pattern to it. Yeah, that makes sense. Someone's invited them to the household, uh, they rob it, one person is awake, and they manage to end up foiling the uh, thieves. Is it like... Is the Hand of Glory maybe some kind of excuse for people who feel a bit bad that they didn't notice they were getting robbed? <laughs> it could be. Like, oh, I, I feel really bad that I didn't wake up mm. and or like I couldn't fight this person. And actually, it wasn't my fault. There was this Hand of Glory. It could be. That would actually make a lot of sense, really. Mm. Yeah. It's a get-out-of-jail-free hand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, literally, if you've got one, Mm. you just open the door and leave. That's very true. (laughs) So these stories, as I said, were very common around the 18th and 19th century. But they do go back earlier as well. Uh, The artwork of the uh, Flemish artist Peter van der Hayden in Mm -hmm. the 16th century shows a hand of glory, uh, one of the five-fingered ones. Okay. And uh, in the 17th century, there was a manual written by Francesco Maria Guazzo, an Italian priest who was concerned about uh, stories of witchcraft and demon possession. Mm -hmm. He wrote the Compendium Maleficarum. Okay. That sounds like it's going to be a compendium of witchcraft. Yes, it's a book of witchcraft. Amazing. And in it, he describes the Hand of Glory and how... uh, practitioners of black magic might use it great i love it when priests or kings decide that they're going to write books about witchcraft it's like where are you getting your information from (laughs) well i think a lot of it is from folklore because as i say these are folkloric stories and they are quite widespread uh, Francis Groves, in his 1787 book, A Provincial Glossary with a Collection of Local Proverbs and Popular Superstitions. Nice. Uh, great title. Yep, yep. <laughs> records these stories, and they are shown to be particularly common in England, France, Germany, and Spain. Okay. Oh, Spain. We don't talk about Spain much. No, not particularly. And I couldn't find many stories because I'll be honest, they are mostly based around England. Sure. Okay. That the vast majority of these stories come from English folklore, um, but they do they do seem to be around continental Europe as well. Yeah. So Francis Groves also uh, references a meeting he had with a judge who was present at the interrogation i.e. torture, of a group of thieves who admitted to using a hand of glory and told him how they made it. Okay. 
just to just to have a little moment here. Yeah. We have to remember though when people are tortured they're going to say what the torturer wants oh, to yeah. hear. Oh, yeah. They are. That is not an accurate method of getting information. <laughs> the number of women who got tortured for witchcraft and admitted mm. to having sex with Satan. Yeah. And that Satan was not very good in bed. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to have that part. It's very important. It is important. Yeah. But also, isn't that disappointing when people have been watching Lucifer and got some ideas? <laughs> oh, that would be a very different show. It would. <laughs> So, as I said, despite the fact that this is heavily rooted in superstition and mythology, there is definitely a grain of truth to the kind of acquisition of these hands. Mm -hmm. Because there exists a dried, mummified hand of glory in the Museum of Whitby in Yorkshire. Okay. You can see it in a glass display case, and it's kind of cool. It's, It's not as, like elaborate as you would think it mostly just looks like a severed preserved hand right with very long fingers it's kind of creepy i'll probably put that, a photo up of it that sounds creepy but also i feel like whitby has got a bit of a um it's got a bit of a thing about being creepy mm. whitby like don't they kind of make a lot of money off dracula fame yes yeah i mean if you're a coastal town you've got a few ways of like bigging yourself up either you are just going to be really good at trade Mm -hmm. or you're going to have some sort of like superstition thing going on and if you're with me you're going hey we got dracula and we got a hand of glory come on guys yeah yeah absolutely so i thought listeners might want to know how to make their own hand of glory might they are you accusing our listeners of being thieves well I'm possibly not, but you know, there's some cool stuff as well. Maybe, maybe if you um you lock yourself out of the house accidentally, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's okay. I've got my hand of glory. I've got my severed hand. So you mean people would lose their keys but still have a severed hand on them? I think it's easier to misplace keys than a severed hand. It's none of your outside. <laughs> <laughs> No, the worst thing would be looking through the table, seeing that you've got the severed hand on the table, and worse Uh, still, someone's lit it, and you know that there are only two other people in your household. There are two hands, two fingers lit. No one's going to (laughs) wake up. Oh, isn't that just the worst when that happens? Always the way. (laughs) Hashtag relatable. Okay, but in all seriousness, we do have at least two methods of making a hand of glory. Amazing. So I'm going to start that time when's first arts and crafts section. Oh my god. Now you need to like take one out from underneath the desk and be like, here's, <laughs> here's one I made earlier. Here's one I made earlier. Barnaby is holding up a bunch of bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Shush. Don't dispel the mystique. Okay, so the first method comes from a book known as the Petite Albert. <laughs> oh, why? So this was uh, in 1722. This was a grimoire of magic inspired. It's said to be written by, but that's almost certainly not true, uh, mm. by Albertus Parvus Lucius, otherwise known as Albert of Saxony. Okay. He was a German bishop, philosopher, and mathematician in the 14th century. And it's said that his work, or possibly his own writing, inspired this sort of collection of natural and Kabbalistic magic. Okay. I mean, this just sounds like they're trying to... They're Protestants trying to argue against Catholicism. 
Well, quite possibly, but see for yourself. So, All right. so this is the kind the uh, English translation of the uh, method. Take the right or left hand of a felon who is hanging. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Why well, need to specify? <laughs> right or left? You know. In some versions, uh, it's specifically the left hand. In some versions, it's specifically the hand that they did their crimes with. Ooh, I so, like that one. Yeah. So this version is just like, eh, whichever. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, of a felon who is hanging from a gibbet beside a highway. Okay. Wrap it in part of a funeral pole and so wrapped, squeeze it well. <laughs> You got to get the blood out. Okay, okay. Yeah, fair. Then put it into an earthenware vessel with zimat, nitre, salt, and long peppers. Um, what's zimat? I have no idea, and I haven't been able to find an answer. <laughs> okay. The whole of which is well powdered. Leave mm-hmm. it in this vessel for a fortnight. Then take it out and expose it to full sunlight during the dog days until it becomes quite dry. If the sun is not strong enough, put it in an oven with fern and vervain. Next, make a kind of candle from the fat of a gibbeted felon, virgin mm-hmm. wax, sesame, and pony. See, I like this because you can use the whole of the gibbeted felon. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. you're not wasting any part of it. It's very eco-friendly. Yeah. And use the hand of glory as a candlestick to hold this candle when lighted, and then those in every place into which you go with this baneful instrument shall remain motionless. Okay. So there's a few things going on there. Uh, as I said, I don't know what zimat is. Right, yeah. Uh, most of the other ingredients are pretty straightforward. Uh, vervain is another word for uh, verbena, the yeah. flower. Then it- there is the uh, virgin wax sesame and pony. Okay. Now, this is where we have a bit of a problem with translation. Right. Because there are two versions of the original French text for this. Okay. In the 1722 edition, the word in the French, it is du sesame et de la pony. Okay. Pony means horse shit. Okay, okay. However, in a version from 1752, the line reads du sesame de la pony. Okay. As in sesame from Lapland. Oh, okay. And you've got to feel that if you're making this Hand of Glory, you want to know which of those you're using because you don't want to have to use horse shit if you don't have to. <laughs> I don't know. Horse shit's not so bad as one who used to ride horses. It's bad when it's on the road. Yeah, but like, it dries out quite quickly. I it's mostly so. hay. It's yeah. a bit like bunnies, you know? I suppose, yeah. So the good thing is that because you can use the left or right hand, then you have room to experiment. You're not going to waste ha- you're not going to waste the whole of your criminal. That's true. I hadn't even thought of that. There yeah. you go, listeners. So make sure that when you're doing this, you take both hands and then you can do either method. Mm. Uh, either Lapland sesame or mm-hmm. horse shit. Can they grow sesame seeds in Lapland? I have no idea. Um, but then you've always told me that in Viking times, mm-hmm. people felt that the Finnish were particularly strong at magic, weren't they? Uh, this is Lapland. Isn't Lapland in Finland? Yeah, sorry. So I just looked, <laughs> I just looked that up. Uh, it does include Finland, but it mm-hmm. also stretches over the top parts of Norway, Sweden and Russia. Okay. Yeah. But maybe it's like there's a whole like Finnish magic thing yeah, going on there. That, that would actually make a lot of sense. I hadn't thought of that. But I'm still not convinced that they can grow sesame seeds. <laughs> 
maybe it's just sesame that you know was taken to lapland and then you get your finnish sorcerers yeah. to just like i don't know just poke at it a bit and then it's like cool that's lapland sesame yeah <laughs> like i swear sesame is like originally kind of a middle eastern thing so i'm i would be i need to find out now yeah. whether you can grow sesame okay. seeds in lapland okay i'll look it up yeah. okay it looks unlikely <laughs> okay because basically if you search for lapland sesame you just get a lot of stuff about the hand of glory okay so <laughs> I'm guessing at this stage, probably more likely that you're going to have to use the horse shit. Okay, well, that's a shame. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, the Petite Albert Mm -hmm. also um, has a way to shield your house from the effects of the Hand of Glory. Oh, that's useful to know. Yeah, and it's very conscientious, really, of the writers of this. that They don't just put in, you know, how to make this thing, but, you know, if you might want to shield yourself from it. Yeah. The Hand of Glory would become ineffective and thieves would not be able to utilise it if you were to rub the threshold or other parts of the house by which they may enter with an unguent composed of the gall of a black cat, the fat of a white hen, and the blood of a screech owl. This substance must be compounded during the dog days. I think I'm just going to take my chances with the Hand of Glory. Yeah, just have some milk handy. Yeah. Um, Should we explain what the dog days are? Yeah, that would be great. That's been referenced twice so far, and I've realised that, you know, listeners might not know what it is. It's especially a problem because, according to Florence of Florence and the Machine, the dog days are over. Right, so the dog days are just the hottest days of the summer. Okay. That's all they are. Cool. So if the dog days are over, then you're just going into autumn. Nice. (laughs) It's quite simple, really. Yeah. Okay, so maybe you don't want to experiment with making your hand of glory. Maybe you're like, I want it one and done. Yeah, okay. So fortunately, there is another method. And this comes from a book written in 1823 and is kept beside the actual hand of glory in Whitby Museum. Okay. Has that hand of glory been made according to that prescription? I don't know for certain i don't want to say yes absolutely okay i suspect it has but Mm. i don't know all right fair anyway this is that method it must be cut from the body of a criminal on the gibbet hey okay yep it's always on the gibbet or the gallows nice nice pickled in salt and the urine of a man woman dog horse and mare okay smoked with herbs and hay for a month hung on an oak tree for three nights running, then laid at a crossroads, then hung on a church door for one night while the maker keeps watch in the porch. And if it be that no fear hath driven you forth from the porch, then the hand be true one and it be yours. Okay. I think there's a lot to talk about there. (laughs) Yeah. Firstly, whole lot of piss. That's a lot of urine. Yep. Um, I'm also confused as to why they differentiate horse and mare. Well, okay, so I've got some questions about how you'd collect this, because does this thief basically have to hang around underneath horses? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Like with one of those little sample things. (laughs) I think a bucket's more likely. Probably. (laughs) And also, okay, so given that it has to be from a man and a woman... Yeah. um, 
presumably at some point you would have to go and find one of your friends or someone and be like, hey, could I have a urine sample from you? And then wouldn't they ask why? Like, I mean, maybe, but you could always go to the local tanners. Oh, that's true. Because urine's used in the process of tanning. Mm. So maybe if you're an unscrupulous tannery owner, mm. you can sell on your urine to potential thieves wanting to make a hand of glory. I suppose so. And then that's two out of five down. They've just now got to follow a dog and a couple of horses. Yeah. Yeah, which is easier, certainly. Yeah, they just have to disguise themselves as a lamppost for a while. <laughs> Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Or just set up like a bucket system nearby Mm. just to catch it. (laughs) So if you are a horse owner and there are suspicious people following you around underneath your horse, you know why. Yeah. They're going to try and make a hand of glory. (laughs) So yeah, the next bit is smoking it with herbs and hay for a month, which to be honest, at this point you probably want to do because that hand's got to reek. Yeah. Um, Yeah, okay. So you've pickled it, then you smoke it, which Mm -hmm. seems sure preserving that's fine yeah i'm not sure about smoking it with hay like it feels like you'd want to have a smokehouse if you were going to make a hand of glory surely yeah i mean you could use hay as the fuel for smoking it Mm. hay does produce a lot of smoke yeah which i know because uh we've got a fire pit and i use and you keep trying to make hands of glory (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just you know what i'm just trying to get the quantities of piss right Mm. Difficult, difficult, because yeah. this doesn't... It's not a very good recipe. No, not like, really. Like, do you use the whole of one urine, like, one urination from each of these things? <laughs> or is it three gallons from each one? Yeah, like, <laughs> what's what's the proportions yeah. on this? I don't know. Maybe it's just enough to cover the hand. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, but yeah, what I was going to say is that we have a fire pit, and I, I use it for getting rid of garden waste and... To sometimes help that along, I use old hay from Lombardi's rabbit hutch. Mm-hmm. And it smokes like nothing else. Yeah. It is ridiculous. And I always feel very bad about our neighbours. <laughs> okay, so after the smoking, then you basically have to go put it in a lot of places. Yeah, you hang it on an oak tree for three nights running. Cool. Very then, English. I like yeah, that. Then lay it at the crossroads. Very yeah. mystical. Yep. And then it is hung on a church door for one night while you keep watch and have to make sure that you don't run away in fear. So I was just thinking about um, leaving it at the crossroads for a night. Yeah. What would happen if you met the devil at the crossroads and he was like, <laughs> what do you want? And you were like, well... I've I- got this piss out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then at the church door, which... That, that again, seems kind of mystical, yeah. religious, religious-y. I love the idea as well that you have to watch it for that night but yeah. you've left it by itself at the crossroad not thinking mm-hmm. that anyone might come past and be like what is this hand doing here <laughs> we should give it a proper burial or something <laughs> yeah i'm not sure what's going on with that but maybe it's something to do because you know it it, it is a church mm. so you have to you have to keep more of an eye on it in case jesus comes sniffing around <laughs> jesus is like this guy's up to thievery. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, kind of, if you're a thief, that's the most ballsy move to do your ritual at a church. I know, like, that's God, true. God explicitly said, don't steal shit. It reminds me a bit of this Norwegian folk tale that I used to read when I was young. Yeah. Which is about a man who gets told that he has to 
um, guard over the princess's grave, mm-hmm. which is sort of it, her tomb is within the church. Right. And every night she comes out and basically tries to kill him. Oh. It's really freaky. Damn. Yeah. But there's, there does seem to be this whole thing about like, you know, you don't want to be in a churchyard at night. Yeah, absolutely. So now that our listeners have their two methods of making a hand of glory, mm-hmm. you might be curious about some of the actual history of this. Like, why is this a thing? I mean, I'm curious. Yeah. So there are variations on the hand of glory existing for centuries, even before this sort of main method. Uh, the idea is that the toes or the whole foot of a criminal can have some magical properties or individual fingers can be used as like little candles that put people to sleep. And (laughs) yeah, they come from a variety of different places, but really we can actually kind of trace it back even to the second century. Really? Yes, and Galen, who you might know Mm -hmm. as the father of the humours idea. Oh, I love Galen. I love the humours idea. Yeah. Every once in a while, it's useful to explain why you're feeling a little bit depressed. Yeah, absolutely. It makes no real sense though. No, so Galen basically came up with the idea that Humans have four humours in yourself, which are... Blood. Yep. Bile. Yep. Oh, oh, black bile. Yep. Yellow bile. Yep. And... Phlegm. Yes, absolutely. Those are the four humours. As a point, do you know why there are four humours and why they're in, like, their set amounts? No. So it was observed that if you took blood and stopped it from coagulating, then eventually it would separate out into four distinct layers. Oh, okay. One of which is red, one's clear, one's yellow, and one's black. Right. So this is why there's this idea that, you know, you've got your four humours and you have them in different amounts in your body. Okay. Because the blood is, for for a long part of medical history, the blood is seen as, like, hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Paracelsus claims that it's kind of the seat of the soul. <laughs> Nice. Um, But from these idea of humours comes this idea that criminals are inherently different from other people. Okay, okay. So one of the ideas is that criminals have an excess of one of the two biles. I'm not sure which one. Sure. Um, But the idea that humans are inherently magical in general is pretty common. And when you think about it, it even exists today. Like palm reading, for Mm. example... That's basically the idea that your life is written on your hand, which is magical. That's true. Yeah. I've also heard of fingertip reading. Yeah, absolutely. So anything like that. We still have, even today, there are these beliefs in, you know, people being magical. And if criminals are different, Mm. then they have a different sort of magic. Okay. So it was kind of hypothesized that criminals had exceptional vitality because they were doing things that were kind of daring if wrong. Right, okay. And so they they were inherently a little bit more magical than the rest of us. Okay. Now, if you keep this in mind, Mm. there is a practice called corpse medicine, which I might go into on a different episode because it's fascinating. People used to, like, touch hanged criminals to cure disease. Really? Yeah, it's mad. That's interesting. But anyway, so let's take the idea that criminals are a little bit magic and let's go ahead a little bit and think about two things. The doctrine of signatures (laughs) and sympathetic magic. Okay. So sympathetic magic is this idea that... 
the that something can have magical properties related to what it is basically so a part of a criminal could be used for criminal intent okay Okay, so it makes sense it would be the criminal's hand because exactly. that's how you commit commit your theft. Exactly. Hence why people used to cut off criminals' hands. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And like that was a common practice in many parts of the world. Yeah. So that is kind of hypothesized as being this idea as to why the hand of glory is a thing. Okay. It's the severed hand of a criminal who's inherently magical. Yeah. And you can use it for nefarious Theft. purposes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Now as for the name Hand of Glory, that's actually quite interesting. The 19th century philologist, which is a great word. Mm, I love uh, a good philologist. Yeah. Uh, Walter William Skeet hypothesized, and I think this is generally accepted, although I personally haven't been able to find many more confirmations of this, but he believes that Hand of Glory derives from the French Man de Gloire. Okay. Which is a corruption of mandragore. Okay. Which is to say the mandrake. And it actually does make a lot of sense because the hand of glory, Mm -hmm. the powers that it has are quite similar to the powers proposed by the mandrake roots. Okay. Mostly, you know, putting people to sleep. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And people just went and took the corruption literally and were like, let's start cutting hands off criminals on the gibbet. Yeah. So there are references in uh, French literature to these mandigloire, Mm. um, but they are referring to a mandrake, like directly. Okay. So that is why the Hand of Glory has its name and why it is inherently magical because criminals, they damn magical. Yeah. Okay, so before we finish up, uh, I just want to answer one of your questions from earlier. Oh, good, because I've had a lot of them. (laughs) Well, is there anything you particularly wanted to ask before I go on about my own thing? Um... I mean, I just wanted to ask about the milk, to be honest. That's weird. That's exactly what I wanted to talk about. Hooray! So we've seen kind of why Hands of Glory are a thing and sort of why they're associated with this magic and Mm -hmm. in particular this sort of like dark magic. Yeah. And everything about it's kind of associated with death. I mean, you're taking it from a corpse. Yeah. The thing is that milk was seen as kind of the antithesis to this because milk is a kind of life-giving substance. Okay, Because okay. obviously the young are nourished by the milk. There's mm-hmm. references to milk in uh, stuff like the Bible. And in Shakespeare. And in Shakespeare. Lady Macbeth tells Macbeth that he is too full of the milk of human kindness. Exactly. So the thing is that milk was basically seen as the antithesis to death. Okay. So it's more about life defeating death than it is about, you know just some magical milk or something. <laughs> but that's really the main reason why. Okay. Um, I couldn't get a whole load of sources for this. It might just be that, you know, milk sometimes crops up in folklore and superstition. Like you feed it to elves, Exactly, you? yeah. Yeah, putting it out for fairies and mm. elves and that. It could be that, but this is an explanation I've seen. And if we base it on the idea of, like, sympathetic magic... It it does make a lot of sense. I suppose. And yeah. I guess it is something useful you might have lying around your home that yeah. can put out fires in normal circumstances. That's true. It's a lot better than getting, what was it, the gall of a The gall of a cat. Yeah, and the various different things from other yeah, animals. Yeah, we're not doing that. Yeah, 
and then just like spreading it on your doorways on a hot day. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely deter thieves though, to be fair, if you were spreading <laughs> the gall of a cat and the fat of a chicken. <laughs> I'm not going in there, that house reeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you have any suggestions for episodes not related to piss hands, you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used in the pod. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and cut criminals' hands off. Bye!